Okay, so we're taking two weeks on spiritual gifts here at Grace Church. And this is a question on which people who love Jesus, who love God's word, um, have different opinions. All right? And each church, though, is going to end up adopting some position or other. This is not a topic on which you can just not decide. Each church will make some decisions in terms of what do we believe God is, is teaching in his word? How are we going to live this out? And so for that reason, the steering team thought that this was the right time in the life of, of Grace Church for us to, to talk about this, this issue. Now, everybody who, who follows the Bible, I think most everybody, believes or has no problem with spiritual gifts like uh, teaching, helps, leadership, mercy, some of the not-so-obviously supernatural gifts. That's really, there's really no controversy over those gifts. But it's the more supernatural gifts where people have different opinions. So supernatural gifts like, let me just give you a couple examples, like prophecy, which is where God would supernaturally, spontaneously bring into your mind a thought um, that, that you didn't come up with on your own, but which he's bringing into your mind because then as you share it with somebody or, or a group of people, they will be strengthened and ministered to and touched. Another example of a supernatural gift would be tongues, which is where God gives you the ability to speak a language or pray a language that you, you've never learned, you don't understand it, but, but as you pray that, your spirit is built up, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, and when it's interpreted, it strengthens those around you. Now, that can be a foreign language you've never learned, like in Acts chapter 2, Day of Pentecost. Or it could be seeming like a, a non-foreign language, which is what's happening in 1 Corinthians. As, as I read it, that's, that's my take on it. So prophecy, he, tongues, healing, right, where God supernaturally heals someone when you pray for them. That's obviously a supernatural gift. By the way, we're all for doctors here and nurses, right? We love doctors and nurses. If you get sick, go to the doctor uh, get prayer and go to the doctor. That's not one or the other. Going to a doctor is not a sign of unbelief. Are we clear on that here? <clears throat> are we clear on that here? Okay, very important. Thank you. Uh, but so th those are the kind of gifts where there is some controversy. Now, let me give you an illustration of how my wife Jan was really powerfully touched by a spiritual gift. In fact, just going over this again, we just both started to get all teary-eyed thinking about it. Um, this was a few years back. We were in the States. And Jan had some heart concerns that she'd been laboring in prayer for. Crying out to God, please, Father, come and work. Come and do something. For, for a long time, she'd been praying. And she'd, she really hadn't seen much happen. And she was discouraged. And, and one week in particular, she was deeply discouraged. And she was saying to the Lord in prayer, I wanted to get this quote right because the quote is important, she was saying to the Lord that she feels like she's having to claw and scrape in, in order to see even the littlest bit of progress in response to her prayers. She felt like she had to claw and scrape for just even the, the smallest answer. And so she was just struggling with discouragement. The next Sunday, we went to our church gathering. And at that church service, a man stood up who Jan didn't know. She'd never talked to him. He'd been part of our church. And he said he felt like maybe God was giving him a word of prophecy for someone in the church. And he said that there was some, that he thought maybe there was someone in the church who was deeply discouraged 
and who had not seen God help them in ways they'd been longing for. And he said, you feel like you've been clawing and scraping in prayer and have hardly seen any progress. Well, Jan was just stunned at that point. And she said to herself, did he say clawing and scraping? And then he said that he thought God wants you to know that he knows and that he wants you to lay hold of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. So God wants you to lay hold of Isaiah 40, 31. He's calling you to wait on him. He's calling you to know that he's working. He's calling you to know that he's hearing your prayers. Jan was profoundly encouraged, as you can imagine, deeply touched. And I wanted to share that illustration just to give you another picture of how spiritual gifts can build us up in our faith and an illustration of why our conviction, my conviction is that it's good. This is why God gives us spiritual gifts and why he calls us to pursue them. Okay, but like I said, people who love Jesus and who love God's word, there can be differences of opinion on these gifts. And let me give you a picture of what I see happening in the church today. It's a bit simplistic and more could be said, but this has been a helpful picture for me to think of. And that is on on one side, it'll be on the left side on, on the screen here, there's men and women who love Jesus, who love God's word, whom God is blessing in ministry, but as they've studied the scriptures, their conclusion is that God is not giving supernatural spiritual gifts anymore. Okay, they love the Lord, they love God's word, that's their conviction after studying the scriptures. So my best friends have that viewpoint. Then on the other side, right-hand side of the screen, there's those who love Jesus, love God's word, God's powerfully working through them. As they've studied God's word, they believe that God is still giving these supernatural spiritual gifts. But in too many cases, the way that they practice those spiritual gifts is harmful and and is not biblical. So you, you have these two opposing viewpoints. And again, this is simplistic, but, but I think it holds true. And, and each of us are from one of those backgrounds. My background is the one on the left, not thinking spiritual gifts are still being given. That, that's my, my background. God's brought about a change, but that's, that's my background. And so the problem is that you have this polarization. So people on the, on the no gifts side look, look across at the other and they say, well, look at those people. They're pursuing spiritual gifts in ways that are not biblical. If that's what it means to pursue spiritual gifts, and it's, it's going to be harmful and unbiblical, We're not going to go there. And people on that side look at the people on this side and they say, well, Paul clearly tells us to pursue spiritual gifts. They're disobeying God by not pursuing spiritual gifts. That's wrong. We're not going there. And so you have these two polar opposites, these two opposing views. Now, my conviction is that God's word would bring correction to both of those sides affirm some of what they are saying, but bring correction. I think the Bible clearly teaches an, an, a, a more biblical option. Last week I called it a, a middle viewpoint, I think, but it's not that this is a compromise. Okay, This is, this is what I believe the Bible clearly teaches, a, another option, a more biblical option. And, and I believe that God is calling Grace Church to this more biblical option. And and I'm praying 
This is maybe a tall order, but God can do it. I'm praying because I know we're from very different backgrounds here when it comes to spiritual gifts. And I'm praying that, that God might use these two weeks and as we continue to study and get e questions emailed, but that God will, will help me to persuade you from the scriptures that this is a more biblical option. This middle option is a more biblical option. That's what I'm praying God will do. So let me review again. I went over this last week, but seven points that make up this middle position. First of all, God's word is our all-sufficient and supreme authority. We love God's word. Nothing is held above God's word. We don't seek gifts over God's word. We drink in God's word and study God's word and memorize God's word and read God's word and preach God's word. And all spiritual gifts must be judged by God's word and practiced according to God's word. Can I say it any more clearly? This is absolutely crucial. First point from this middle position. Second, the Bible teaches, I believe, that God is still giving supernatural spiritual gifts. And that's why I'm, I'm compelled to pursue them. We don't let experience dictate our opinions on that. We start with what does the Bible teach? to the law and the testimony. What does the word of God say? And my conviction is that the Bible teaches that God is still giving supernatural spiritual gifts. Now, third point. This middle position would, would say that God's word teaches that the gift of tongues is not given to every believer. I think it's a harmful thing to teach. That's not the main point. I, I don't think it's a biblical thing to teach. And because it's not biblical, it's harmful distracts people, gets people pursuing something that they, we just seek the Lord and say, God, pour out your gifts. So tongues is not the mark of spirituality. It's not the mark of the baptism of the spirit. It's not the mark of conversion. It's, it's a wonderful gift, but it's just one of many gifts that God loves to give. Fourth, if tongues are heard in public, it's crucial that they be interpreted. Uh, again, we covered this last week, and I know there's groups that, that love to sing in the spirit there's groups that, that love to lay hands on people and pray in tongues over them without it being interpreted. I think people mean well. I, I would just appeal to you, read 1 Corinthians 14 and see if you don't agree that, you know, Paul is saying here that if tongues are heard by other people, they need to be interpreted. Just, I would just appeal to you, read that. Fifth, God does still supernaturally heal the sick, but Sometimes in his love and wisdom, he chooses not to. So it's not a matter of if you believe strong enough, you'll always get healed. Or if you're holy enough, you'll always get healed. There's sometimes for the holiest and the most believing people that God, maybe with tears in his eyes, because he says, I know this is going to be hard, but I'm going to give you more grace through allowing the sickness to remain than you would have if you were healed. So it happened to Paul in his thorn in the flesh. So there's times where we pray earnestly for healing and, and God in his love says, I've got something better than healing this time. And we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Like Job did, right? Job chapters 1 and 2. Sixth, the gift of prophecy involves the Holy Spirit bringing something to mind that is helpful to others. It's not the same thing as teaching. I'm not prophesying now. I'm, I'm teaching now, preaching now. Prophecy is something different. And then seventh, the baptism of the Spirit is not a later experience after conversion marked by tongues, 
It occurs at conversion. That's, that's, that's God's intention. It occurs at conversion when God enables us to see and feel the glory of Jesus Christ. And I just want to say for those of you who are here, not yet trusting Jesus, and we are glad you're here, this is what God will do when you come to the place where you see you've sinned against God, you need a Savior, you can't be good enough to be forgiven, Jesus is your Savior, and when you put your trust in Him as Savior, Lord, treasure, at that moment, God will change your heart. He will pour his love into your heart. You will drink rivers of living water. You will be satisfied like you've never been satisfied before. That's the baptism of the Spirit. That's God's intention with conversion. So that's just a review of this more biblical middle option. And again, I'd like to, as God gives me grace, I'd like to show you from the Scripture why I think this is a more biblical option than the other two um, views I described earlier. Now, last week, to kind of help us in this process, I said, if you have questions, email me your questions. And I've gotten some great questions. Even got one late last night. Um, really helpful questions. And I've emailed answers back, but there's two of them that I thought would be helpful to, sh- to talk about all together here. And again, if you, if you have more questions after this week, it's not over after this week, email me your questions. We're still talking about this in home groups. I'd be happy to meet with you or send you an email response. But here's two questions I thought would be helpful to talk about altogether. One was this. If spiritual gifts are so important, why were they limited to the church in Corinth? Okay, good, good, good question. And we know that spiritual gifts were in Corinth. I mean, read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14. Paul That's the most extensive, lengthy teaching we have about spiritual gifts in the Bible, 1 Corinthians. So we know that spiritual gifts were in Corinth. Here's one verse that makes it clear. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, Paul says, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. So we, we know spiritual gifts were happening in Corinth. But not just in Corinth. I looked at my notes afresh on this, and it was It's amazing to see how widespread spiritual gifts were in the New Testament churches. Let me give you some examples. The gift of tongues was experienced in Jerusalem. We all know that day of Pentecost, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So Jerusalem experienced the gift of tongues. We know that healing took place in northern Palestine because of what James writes. Remember, James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and he wrote the letter of James to those who had fled out of his church to escape persecution and were living in northern Palestine in Syria. And here's what James writes, chapter 5, verse 16. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So clearly, James thought that healing would take place. Again, not every time, but that we should pray for each other and God will heal when he sees fit. So obviously, James being the leader of the church in Jerusalem, they were praying for the sick in Jerusalem and those he was writing this letter to, northern Palestine and Syria, he wanted them to pursue the same thing. Another example, gift of prophecy. It was taking place in Antioch, Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Luke writes, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. By the way, I think that shows clearly, again, prophets aren't the same thing as teachers. Those are two different functions. I'm, I'm teaching. I'm preaching now. 
I'm not giving a word of prophecy now. But there were prophets in the church of Antioch. You see that? We also know that prophecy was taking place in Ephesus. Since Timothy, remember Timothy was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And Paul wrote 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 to Timothy in Ephesus. Here's what he says. Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So there's the, the elders laying hands on Timothy. And I think what's taking place there is that one of them, God brings into his mind, I want to give Timothy this gift. We aren't sure what it is. And so as they lay hands and as they pray, God gives Timothy this gift right then and there. And so Paul says, Timothy, don't neglect that gift. But you see how prophecy was taking place in Timothy's church there in Ephesus. Thessalonica. Remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 through 20. Paul wrote this to the church in Thessalonica. Shows that prophecy was taking place. Paul says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So Paul gives the Thessalonian church instruction as to how prophecy should be responded to and handled. We know that prophecy was taking... Are you getting tired yet? Are you getting the idea? Okay. A couple more examples. Prophecy was taking place in Caesarea, Acts 21, 8 and 9. Luke says, on the next day we departed, came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Now, Luke is not saying that it's, it's really good to stay unmarried, because that's how you get the gift of prophecy. That's, it's, it's not the connection he's making here. He's just saying Philip had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. That would have been quite the household to be in, right? Okay, so... But you see how prophecy was taking place there in Caesarea. One more example. Rome. Prophecy was taking place in Rome. Here's what Paul says in Romans 12, 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. So see, spiritual gifts were not limited to Corinth. Corinth has most of the teaching on spiritual gifts, three whole chapters. But spiritual gifts are widespread throughout the New Testament. That's really a powerful picture. Okay, now, another helpful question that somebody raised was this. If spiritual gifts can be so controversial and can create such dangers, and if people can pursue them wrongly, is it worth the risk to pursue them? That is a really important question. And one reason is we must understand that, yes, there are dangers. We need to be aware of this. For example, throughout church history, groups have focused more on spiritual gifts than on God's word to their destruction. You can read about them throughout church history, veering off into horrible errors and being destroyed as a church. But look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, I just read this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. And understand what he's saying. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. How do you test prophecies? First and foremost, by the word of God, right? We filter every spiritual gift 
by the scriptures. The scriptures, it's like we just, it's like a filter. We put it up against our, right? Everything. We just, it's got to pass through the word of God. This is the authority. If somebody says, God spoke to me something, and if it doesn't match what the scriptures teach, we respect them and we love them, but we say, I'm sorry, that is not from God. Because God's told us the truth already. This is the test. This is the guideline. This is the standard that every spiritual gift must fit. Are we clear on that? Grace Church? So, so, so important. As God gives us grace, we are not going to focus on spiritual gifts to the neglect of God's word. Never will we do that. Another danger. Some have equated giftedness with spirituality. So that, well, you know, the people who speak in tongues, they are like really filled with the Spirit, really close to God. That's just not what the Bible teaches. My con- By the way, we're all for people who speak in tongues. I mean, it's not that they're bad, okay? But just that there's no connection between giftedness and spirituality. My conviction is that you can have someone who never has ever spoken in tongues, never has, has, has healed the sick, never has had a word of prophecy, who might be far more filled with the Spirit than those who do. Really important that we not equate those. And remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 22 and 23. This is a shocking verse, but well, good for us to ponder. Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. They had worked these miracles, right? And it's not wrong that they worked these miracles. Jesus sent his disciples out to cast out demons and heal the sick. And we see that happening in the New Testament book of Acts, right? Paul, Peter. These, so it's not wrong to do those things. His point isn't they shouldn't have done those things. His point is that you can exercise supernatural spiritual gifts and still end up in such sin that you go to hell. So don't make the mistake of thinking, well, because God just healed somebody through me, so the fact that I'm having an affair is okay. Don't ever make that mistake. Or don't make the mistake of thinking because God hasn't given you as much supernatural spiritual gift as somebody else that he doesn't love you as much as somebody else. So important. So there's dangers, okay? But so, so the question then is, in light of these potential dangers, is it really worth the risk to pursue spiritual gifts? And, and my conviction is, yes, it is. Because the church at Corinth was terribly abusing spiritual gifts. I mean, read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. They were terribly abusing spiritual gifts. And Paul does not say, stop pursuing spiritual gifts. You've lost your chance. Look at what he does to say to them. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. With this church that was so abusing gifts and so pursuing them wrongly, he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He doesn't tell them to stop, but he does strongly correct their errors and call them back to pursuing spiritual gifts in a biblical way that's for the sake of love. 
So those are two questions. Now, if you, if you have more questions, keep them coming. I'll just, you know, we won't be talking about it here Friday morning, but I'll, be, I'll email you back answers or we can talk on the phone or whatever. Um, keep the questions coming. But let me now move to the question, so how should we pursue spiritual gifts? Let me give you a couple suggestions. First of all, turn from sin and seek God more than gifts. Okay, turn from sin. Okay, so sin can quench the Spirit. Sin can quench the, 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 the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in terms of giftings. But even more seriously, sin can quench the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart, strengthening your faith, keeping you on the road, keeping you from falling away. Sin is deadly serious. So turn from sin. And again, none of us are perfect, but we, I trust all of us are repenting and confessing and not holding on to a sin, saying, I'm going to hold on to this one, but we're saying, Jesus, help me, forgive me. That's what I'm, that's what I'm after here. Turn from sin, confess your sin, trust Christ. He'll forgive you, he'll help you, he'll love you. That's what we need to be doing. And make sure you're seeking God more than the gifts. That's another danger that can come. Listen, knowing God by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures is far more satisfying than the most powerful spiritual gift being experienced. God is our treasure. Meeting him as he reveals Jesus to us by the Holy Spirit, through the word, worshiping him, knowing him, whether gifts are part of that or not, God's the prize, not the gifts. So see God more than the gifts. That's really crucial. Second, read and study God's word. And one reason, obviously, is because that's how we're going to learn about spiritual gifts. Like I said last week, I don't want anyone being persuaded just because this is my conviction. We want to be a church where you have your beliefs because you've seen them for yourself in the Bible. Because you can point to chapter and verse and say, here's why I believe this. Here's why I believe this. Now, if I can help you see what's in the Bible, that, that's my job. But my job is to help you see what's in the Bible. So you're not quoting me or some other leader. You're quoting the Bible. Does that make sense? So read the Bible. Study the Bible. Also, if you really want to hear God's voice, there's no more clear way than reading God's Word. God's voice in the Scriptures, black and white, clear, plain, inspired, infallible, inerrant, true, living and active, powerful Word of God is far more clear, far more powerful than any spiritual gift. Now, I'm for spiritual gifts because the Bible tells me to be. But the Word is how you hear God most clearly, how you hear His voice most clearly. So read the Bible. Third, read helpful books on spiritual gifts. We're posting some on our website under the category uh, Growing in Grace. Click on that. You'll see a lot of resources. There's a section there on spiritual gifts. It's going to be coming up soon. Read some of those books. Fourth, be motivated by love. Don't pursue gifts in order to feel better about yourself or in order to be seen as, as impressive to other people. Pursue spiritual gifts for the sake of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh God, I want to bless my, my brothers and sisters. I want to bless my home group. I want, to, I want to be a blessing to Grace Church. Bring your gifts upon me as you see fit for the sake of love. Fifth, Pray for spiritual gifts. This might be a, a new thought for some of you, maybe. 
Because you may have been taught that, like, if up to this point, if you've never received a word of prophecy, well, then that's just not your gift, and you've got, you've got other gifts. That maybe is, is how you've been taught spiritual gifts work, but that's not, that's not how spiritual gifts operate. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13, and just ponder this. This morning and for the next, just for a little while, the next couple of days, weeks, maybe, ponder this verse. Paul says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. Okay, so even if you've never had the gift of interpretation before, you should pray that God gives it to you right now, which means that God can give you any gift at any time, and we pray for it. That's why I'm, I'm not sure how helpful some of the spiritual gifts questionnaires are, because the implication is if you haven't experienced these things already, then you're not going to get those gifts. You'll just come up with the ones you've already experienced. But see, God can give you, according to this verse, the gift of interpretation, and by implication, any gift at any time. So we just say, Lord, bring your gifts to me. How do you want me to minister here? What do you have for me? And he will give as he sovereignly sees fit. So pray for the gifts. Pray. I hope that after this morning, you'll start praying and then trusting and receiving. Sixth, understand how God gives gifts, like prophecy. This is really important. I, I think some people, because of what you've seen on TV or stories you've heard, we can think that receiving a supernatural spiritual gift, you kind of lose control. You go into some kind of a religious frenzy. People can't, you know, you're just... But read what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 14, 29-31. He says, Let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh what is said based on the scripture. Okay? And then if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So notice... When somebody receives a word of prophecy, they don't lose control. They can decide, oh, you, you go first. I'll wait. I can wait. See how that works? You don't have to, it's not like, no, you just, God brought this to me. You go ahead. Or, okay, I'll go first, right? It's, you can choose that. So you don't lose control. Something isn't going to happen to make you, you know, do things you can't keep yourself from doing. It's not how God operates with these gifts. Do you see that here? By the way, this passage is also, just as a side note, the passage that shows me most clearly what prophecy is. Notice the word prophets in verse 29. Notice the word prophesy in verse 31. In verse 30, the word prophets or prophesy doesn't appear, but the phrase, a synonym, if a revelation is made to another, that's what prophecy is. It's not necessarily foretelling the future. It might mean that. Agabus had a prophecy about, remember the famine that was going to come to Jerusalem? But it could just mean like what, what Jan experienced from that gentleman at the church back in the States. You've been clawing and scraping. God's heard your prayers. Isaiah 40, 31, that was a word of prophecy. It wasn't predicting. It was just foretelling something that the Lord wanted Jan to know. Now, what is this going to look like at Grace Church? Let's start with home groups. All along our home groups, we've been praying for the sick when people are sick. When people share burdens, we lay hands on them and pray for them. And we're going to continue doing that. But, but I hope that after these two Fridays that we will all be praying more for, for gifts. I mean, you can pray for somebody, lay hands on them and pray for them, whether God brings you a supernatural gift or not, and God will bless and work. But let's be praying, God, bring me gifts. 
Bring me a word of prophecy to speak over them. Maybe a scripture to pray over them that's from you that will really touch their heart. And if he does that, beautiful. If not, we just pray as we see fit and God will do a mighty work. But I'm hoping that after these two Fridays, we'll be praying more during the week. Lord, what would you want to give me as a gift for the home group tonight or for somebody as I'm praying for them there? Or even as we're praying, Lord, bring a gift to me right now that I could speak and, and pray over them. So I hope that after these two Fridays, we're more aware and, and praying more for the gifts. So that's, that's home groups. Now, what about Friday mornings? Well, remember, at the end of our Friday mornings, we have people coming forward to pray for those who want to be saved, uh, for the sick, for job issues, financial issues, any kind of spiritual concerns, any, any need that you have. We want to pray, and we're going to keep doing that. Um, and as we lay hands on those who come forward, those of you who are praying, I'm hoping that after these two Fridays, you will be even more aware that God might bring you something right now to speak, to pray for this person, and that as you test it according to the scriptures, you will speak and pray that, and that'll bring even more blessing to the person. So be, if you're part of the prayer team for that Friday, be, you know, come full of faith, prayed up, ready to bless the people that you pray for them, asking God to bring you spiritual gifts. So that's the prayer time at the end of the service. Now, in addition to that, I'd like to propose that we try an experiment and, and, and with, with terms of our whole gathering here. And it's because of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Look at what Paul says. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, that'd be like a prophecy, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So here's what I'd like us to try. Now, we're not going to do an open mic because that, I mean, anybody could come in off the streets or and start talking to the church, and that's not wise, and that's not what we're going to do. Um, but here's what I'd like us to try. Let's say that during the week, or maybe during worship here, God brings something into your mind with just a sense of his presence, like, I'm supposed to share this with the church. If that's what happens, then, then come up, and we'll have a point man. It'll be me or one of the steering team. Let's start with me, just so I can figure out, along with these guys, how it works. But I'll be sitting like on that side, somewhere along that side, uh, just so you can kind of walk up around during worship. Nobody's going to notice. And share with me what you think God is giving you to share with the church. And I will listen to that. And I may, I may think, and as I pray, I may think, let's pray about this and ponder this some more. I'm not sure we're quite clear enough yet on what God wants us to say. That might be my, my counsel. Or I might think, I think that I'm supposed to share that with the church. So I'll, I'll share that with them. Or I might think this is something that God wants you to share with the church. So like after this next song is over, we'll have a mic here. Come on up and, uh, and why don't you share that with the church? Tyler, the worship leader, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Okay, and there'll be a pause. Share that. Move ahead to the next worship song. So that way we're, we're able to filter. Because again, we don't want to be like anybody could walk in off the street and start addressing the church. That, that would not be helpful. But I do feel a, a sense I mean, because of what 1 Corinthians 26 says, in obedience to the word, that we need to have a way that we can experience 1 Corinthians 14, 26 in our gatherings here. So we may have some Fridays where nobody has a spiritual gift to share. And that'll be all right, right? Because we've prayed. I mean, you've prayed, right? We've prayed during the week. You've prayed during worship. And if God chooses not to bring a, a, a supernatural spiritual gift, I mean, God is still powerfully going to be working through the worship. I trust he'll be powerfully working through the word, 
right? All kinds of beautiful ministries can be taking place. It's going to be a total win on that Friday. So there'll be some Fridays where there's no supernatural spiritual gifts. But I'm praying that there'll be some Fridays where God does some very powerful works through spiritual gifts, like what Jan experienced that I shared about at the beginning of the message here. Now, one other very important thought. What if someone walks up to you and says, I think God's given me a word for you. I think you're supposed to move to Brazil. Okay? What do you do? You thank them. Okay? And then you, I mean, pray about it, right? Don't despise prophecies, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5. You pray about it. Share it with your wife. Share it with your husband. All right? Share it with you know, you're some close sisters, some close brothers. And see, if, if God is saying that to you, then he will confirm that to you. He will confirm that to you. So you pray about it, you study the scriptures, you think about it, you thank the person. So again, that is another danger that has come up. Some people have been so hungry. I want to be obedient to the Lord. And they said I should move to Brazil. So packing my bags, here we go. And that would, that's not wise. That's not how it worked in the New Testament. Okay, nothing against Brazil, by the way, all right? Okay, so if you have any questions about that, shoot me an email, let me know. But so that's what I'd like us to do starting next Friday, is this week pray and say, God, bring me, bring me whatever gift you want for the sake of love. And some of you would be just totally petrified if I said, well, why don't you share that after the next song? No, why don't you share it? Well, we'll see. Well, I'll, maybe I'll walk up here with you so that you can share it. We'll, we'll figure it out. But pray this week and ask God, Lord, what would you want to give me for the sake of the body? And then as we're in worship next Friday, just, Lord, anything you want to bring me right now for the sake of the church body, bring it to me. And then we're just worshiping the Lord. We're pressing in. We're exalting him, glorifying Jesus Christ. And we will respond to whatever the Lord gives us. Now, let me close with one last illustration of... Uh, of how spiritual gifts can be used very powerfully. This, was, this is what I experienced. This was back in the States. I was leading a home group. I was, I was leading worship group in our, we were living in an apartment at the time in this circle in our living room. And I, I looked up as I was leading worship and there's a young man sitting right across the circle from me and he was very agitated and he was, he was shaking. And his shaking increased and it started, became noticeable to people sitting next to him and around him. And so... Um, when we finished that song, I just, I passed the leadership of the meeting on to someone else. I said, uh, why, why don't you and I, let's go back. And I took another young guy with me. Let's go back into, into one of the bedrooms and we can talk and pray and see what's going on. So we, we walked back into, into the bedroom. And as I was walking back, the Lord brought into my mind that this young man was sleeping with his girlfriend and that God was convicting him and wanted him wanted to show him the seriousness of this that God knew and that God was calling him to repent right then and there. So I walked back and, you know, I mean, what if I'm wrong, right? Um, and so as graciously and as gently as I could, I said, I, I might be wrong, but, but as we were just walking back, I, I, think, I think that God's saying that uh, you're sleeping with your girlfriend, and it's sin. And he's not going to let you get away with it any longer. He loves you. And he's convicting you right now. That's why you're shaking in there. He wants you to repent and turn from this. And he just started to weep. <laughs> it was the most amazing thing. He just broke. 
And he repented. And he turned from that sin. His girlfriend was out in the room, you know. They talked afterwards. And he was completely forgiven by God through Jesus and restored and cleansed. If I remember the story right, they got married, didn't they? Anyway, we, we've lost touch. I can't say the tablet after because I don't know. This is, this is a while back. But I want you to see that God can, because he loves us. He loves us. He loved that man. He loved that young man. And he didn't want that young man to go on in the bondage of sin and being far from him and on the road to destruction any longer. And so he, he called him back. So see, spiritual gifts can be of great blessing to the body. And that's why God's word calls us to pursue them. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, the apostle Paul, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now let's stand together. I'd like to pray so the worship team come on up too. I want to pray over us. I would guess that some of you are, um, you're still thinking about these things. I'm not sure yet. That's totally fine. Um, I would not expect to change anybody's mind in two Fridays. Um, but I hope that that you'll, you'll head in, like on a trajectory of, of studying these things and considering these things and pondering these things. And so I'd like to, first of all, pray for those of you who are there. We love you. We're glad you're here. Again, this is an area on which believers can love each other and agree to disagree, but every church has to land somewhere on this issue. You can't not decide. So, so for those of you who are still working this through, and by the way, again, if you'd like to talk more about it, I would love to talk to you. You can send me your questions. I'd love to interact with you about it. So first I'll pray for those of you who are still deciding, all right? And then for those of you who are like, yes, I see this. I, maybe you've already thought about it before. I want to pray that God will, in a fresh way this week and, and continuing, pour out his spirit upon us. For our home groups, for Friday mornings, for whenever we gather together. So let's pray. Father, I ask, first of all, for those who are still thinking about these things. They're, they're not sure yet. Thank you for them. Thank you for their maturity and desire to think things through carefully and study your word carefully. Bless them in that. Teach them your word. Help them see and think through the questions that are, are troubling them. And help them find answers in the scriptures for those questions, I pray. So let this be a, a time not of being troubled, but a time of of growing and learning and getting even closer to you in your word, I ask. And then, Lord, I pray for those who, who are saying, yes, I see this in the word. I don't understand it all, maybe, but I want to pursue it. I see it enough to pursue it. Lord, pour out your spirit upon us, I pray. We want to pursue love. We love each other. We love people who aren't saved yet. We want to bless them as much as we possibly can. And so we're going to pursue love and Lord, we want to earnestly desire your gifts. Pour them out upon us, I pray, for the glory of Jesus Christ and for the upbuilding of our brothers and sisters and for the salvation of the lost. We pray that you would do this in Jesus' name.